Well, you know, in Christianity, when we talk about Christianity, there are a lot of different denominations. One of the things that people ask a lot is why there's so many different denominations. You'd think one Bible, you know, and we'd look at the Bible and we'd say, well, this is what it says. But remember, there are a lot of different groups and a lot of different ways people look at the Bible in different ways. Think about, um, think about the person that often is called the pastor. Okay, think about that for a second. Uh, there's a lot of ways that the pastor maybe could be looked at. If you look at Ephesians 4, it says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as, and in the Greek, it's not pastors and teachers, like two different groups. It's literally pastor teachers. So that's the fourth one. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers, and the word pastor is poimain for shepherd. In fact, when you look at it, that word, elder, bishop, overseer, shepherd, that all refers to the same person in the Bible. And so if you said, J.B., are you a pastor? I'd say, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm also the shepherd, also an elder. I'm also an overseer. The Greek word is episkopos, which you get episcopal from. It has the idea of overseeing. The word elder is presbyteros in Greek, which means elder, or older person. You, you think of Presbyterian because they have an elder form of government and shepherd. And so those are titles in the Bible of, of, of a pastor, so to speak. And then in different groups, uh, some will will call their pastor brother somebody, and some will call him pastor something, and some will call him reverend something, and some will call him minister something, and some will call him something else. And well, they could call him a lot of things. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, that that even some groups call their pastor or a priest, a priest. And and what we find in the Old Testament, God set apart a tribe from the nation of Israel to be priests. Now, you could say, well, is J.B. a priest? Well, I'm going to say yes, but I'm also going to say you're a priest as well. And we're going to talk about that because when we look at the Bible, we realize that in the Old Testament, God set apart one tribe to be the priest. We're seeing it even at the time of, of David and as we get all the way up. But when we get to the New Testament, there's not a tribe or anything set apart as priest. In fact, the Bible actually calls believers a kingdom of priests. So that means every one of you in this room is a priest, like I'm a priest. Now, I may have a, a, a spiritual gift of pastor-teacher. I may have a, a spiritual gift of teaching. You may have a spiritual gift of helps or administration or teaching or something else. Uh, so those are all gifts. There's a particular office called pastor-teacher. But then every believer is actually a priest. So you could say you're a priest. Now, what about that? What, what, why is this? How does, how does it work? Because we're going to look this morning that Jesus is the great high priest, and we as believers are priests. And so we've talked about when you come into, a, when you put your faith in Christ, the called out ones coming into the relationship with Jesus Christ in the body of Christ, which is the church. We've seen that, we've seen this relationship, Christ and the church. Jesus is a shepherd. We're the sheep. Jesus is the groom. We're the bride. Jesus is the last Adam. We're the new creation. Well, this morning, we're going to see Jesus is the great high priest and we are priests. And we're going to spend a little bit of time. It's going to take a, a week or two. I want, we want to see uh, what the high priest did, what Jesus did, and then what we're supposed to do, and how that ties together. So let me give you sort of a little outline here. We're going to look at three things. It's going to take a little bit. What is a priest? Who are they? What do they do? How is Jesus Christ our great high priest? And then what do we do as priests? Now, what did the priest do? Just throwing out, what did the priest do in the Old Testament? What's one of the things they did? They make sacrifices. 
And we say that, boy, they, I mean, somebody would come up there and take an animal, and a priest would kill it and put it up on the altar and all those kind of things. And we say, well, as priests today, we don't do what? We don't offer sacrifices. But the truth is, we do offer sacrifices. And we're going to look at that when we get to our part, and we'll see how that ties together. So let's think about a priest. What is a priest? I mean, who are they? What do they do? What is what are all this? In the Old Testament, there were three, uh, who and what? In the Old Testament, there were three big areas. There was the prophet, the priest, and the king. Prophet is the one that spoke from God to man. The prophet would say, thus says the Lord. The priest was one who would go back man to God because they represented man back to God. And the king was God's ruling representative. Now, we saw that that nobody in the Old Testament was a prophet, priest, and king. There were some who were priests and kings, and there were some who were prophets and priests, but nobody had all three offices. The only person that ever is going to have all three offices is Jesus Christ. He's the great prophet, priest, and king. He's the prophet because he not only speaks the word of God, he is the word of God. He's the priest because he offers himself as the final sacrifice for sin forever. And he's the king because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So he's the only one that has all three offices. So when we talk about a priest, we say, well, these priests were these people set apart from the tribe of Levi. That's what we think about. And they represent, in a sense, who is the priest? They're one who represents man to God. They're the go-between. And uh, we know now, do, do you need a human priest to be a go-between between you and God? No, not now. Not now. Because uh, Jesus Christ has paid it all, and we're going to talk about what he's done and how he's opened the way. That's why the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So when we, we see, and we're going to see how this ties together. Do you realize that if you go back to the Old Testament and start reading, and you go from Adam and Eve and on up to Noah and everything, and to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and by the way, it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then basically Joseph, and then Moses, then the law. Up to that point in time, there was no priestly tribe. Do you realize that the father of a family was the priest in that day and time? Do you, if you read the book of Job, what did Job do on a regular basis? He offered sacrifices for his children. He was the father priest of the family. So what did priests do? And let's just think about under the sacrificial system, what did priests do? Well, there were two big areas. They basically made intercession and they offered sacrifices. I mean, that's what they did. Let's talk about intercession for just a second. Intercession, the priest represented man to God. And that's why when a person would sin or that's when a person wanted to do anything, they could come to God. Then they had to come to God really through a priest. If they wanted to get information, we've been seeing it. How does David get information from God? He goes to the priest, and what does the priest do? He uses the Urim and the Thummim, and he gives some kind of answer. And, and so those kind of things. And so the priest was the representative from man to God. We see that Aaron was the first priest. I, I want to remind you that Moses and Aaron were from the tribe of Levi. God said Moses will be the leader. Aaron, who's Moses' brother, who's Moses' older brother, will become the first high priest of the nation of Israel. And what he said was this, that Aaron's oldest son after him would be the next high priest. And then his oldest son after him would be the next high priest. And then his oldest son, and that's what was supposed to happen. We're doing a study on Wednesday nights called Jesus and His World. And last week or two, we've been dealing with what happened to the priesthood because after they went into captivity and then finally came back and you had the, the Seleucid Empire and the Medes and the Persians and the Greco-Macedonians and, and the Romans come into power, that the position of a priest changed. Instead of it being a descendant of Aaron, 
It became an appointed position. You may not realize this, but at the time of Jesus, there were two high priests at the same time. Wow. So you go, what? Wow. And so the priest, what did the priest do? Well, they were the representative, and then there's a second thing that they did, and that was they offered sacrifices. And there were really two kinds of sacrifices, those not dealing with sin and those dealing with sin. So I want you to think about it, not dealing with sin. What kind of sacrifice could you bring if you weren't dealing with sin? Why would you go and go to the temple and bring a sacrifice? Why? Anybody know? Well, think about this. Let's say that you prayed to God, and you said, oh, God, protect me in this particular thing, and he protected you, and you went, wow, I'm going to thank God. So I'm going to take an animal, and I'm going to go up to it, and I'm going to say, I'd like to bring a thank offering to God. Let's kill this animal and present it to God in thanks for him taking care of me. It has nothing to do with sin. And the priest would kill it, cook it. priest got part of it. He gave part of it back to them, and they'd have like a picnic. They would eat the food. It was like a party thanking God for what he's done. They had meal offerings in which they would just bring something up there and, and present it. So when you think of sacrifices, there were sacrifices not dealing with sin. But then there were sacrifices dealing with sin. And when a person sinned in the Old Testament, what were they supposed to do? They offer a what? Offer some kind of sacrifice. And if you sinned, you bring an animal... And you said, I, I sinned, I, I, I messed up. And they would take that animal, you put your hands on top of that animal, and the priest would come up take a, and cut the throat of that animal and kill it, throw it up on the altar. And there were different kinds of sacrifices, but these sacrifices covered sin, did not pay for sin. The blood of bulls and goats could never what? Take away sin, never. So all sacrifices in the Old Testament did, if they were sacrifices for sin, were cover sin until the Messiah would come and he would be the Lamb of God who would do what? Take away the sin of the world. So priests in the Old Testament, they did all these things and they were very important concerning worship. Man came to God, the priests were the go-between, they offered worship, they offered sacrifices, they did all kind of things. Now under, under the sacrificial system, there was a high priest over all the priests with certain responsibilities. Now, I want to stop and think for just a little bit. I'm looking at time. we got time to talk about this for a minute. Under the Mosaic Law, there was the high priest. He was a descendant of Aaron. Technically, he was supposed to be Aaron's sons, Aaron's sons, Aaron's son, all the way down. So if you said, who are you? He would be related to Aaron going back. He would be the high priest. They had other priests who were of the family, not because he had to be the oldest son to be the high priest. And then you had the whole tribe, which were called Levites, and they served and they helped. They actually weren't priests. They served and helped. Priests only came from the family of Aaron. So that's, you know, when you start thinking about it. Now, one of those guys was the high priest. And we've been seeing in our study in the life of David, we saw Eli, who was the high priest. Remember, he fell over, he was real heavy. And, and he fell over backwards and broke his neck when he found out the ark had been stolen. And so you, you're seeing these priests. And now at David, David's got a priest with him, but there's another priest back. And so the high priest, we don't even know who the high priest is at the time of David. We don't even know what's going on. Now, if you were the high priest, you, you could say you had it made. Because you got to do everything. You got to do everything. If you were the high priest, you would say um, people offer sacrifices. You do all these things. On it. But he would come in, and he would, they would buy a lot 
pick out other priests to do certain things, like go burn the, the incense or to keep the light burn, you know, the, the candlestick burning, change out the bread, all those kind of things. But he, on the Day of Atonement, and we're going to talk about this next week, maybe the week after that, the high priest got to go into the Holy of Holies. Nobody else could ever go in there. So that was a big deal. To go into the Holy of Holies. See, the front room, if you remember, the front room is called the Holy Place. Lampstand here, bread here, altar of incense here, curtain right here. Behind the curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. And only the high priest could ever go behind that curtain. And so being the high priest, he had great responsibilities. Now with that in mind, let's talk about Jesus. Because we're looking to the fact that Jesus is our high priest. So how is Jesus Christ our high priest? He is the great high priest. Now, the book of Hebrews, if you've ever studied it, it's a little bit hard. It has some warning passages in it. And some people look at the warning passages and what he is actually saying to believers. If you turn away from God, God will discipline you and you will lose rewards. That's the book of Hebrews. But a lot of people look at it who don't hold to the fact that when you believe in Jesus, you're saved forever. So a lot of people look at that and they see those warning passages and they say, if you turn away from God, you don't lose rewards. What do you lose? Your salvation. They think that. Uh, our group of ladies, they're studying on uh, Wednesday nights and Thursday mornings, they're studying a study on the book of Hebrews. And, uh, and, and you've got to be real careful because when you look at the warning passages, sometimes it'll say this, this, and this. Now moving away, you're, it's going to be burned up. And people say, oh, they lose their salvation. They say, you can't lose their salvation. Oh, they never had it. Well, it doesn't say that either. He calls them brothers. So what is it? And so when you study books like that, well, when you look at Jesus as our great high priest, the book of Hebrews shows that Jesus is better than any other priest. You know why? All the priests lived and died. Jesus lived, died, and rose again. <laughs> and he's the priest forever. All the other priests... You had to have another one come. Why? Because the one died. He'd say, I'm dying. Somebody else better take my place. Well, Jesus died and rose again. And Jesus never needs anybody to take his place because he lives forever for us. That's who we have. So when we think about Jesus, he is the great high priest. He's the go-between. He is the one that offered the final sacrifice for sin. And we're going to not talk about that this morning, about the final sacrifice for sin forever. And I think it's so amazing because how many, how many... How many sacrifices for sin from the time of Aaron till the time of Christ, how many sacrifices for sin do you think there were? You can't even count them. Thousands. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Right? And even the Day of Atonement, which that priest would go in the back room, he's offering a sacrifice with the blood of an animal to cover sin for everybody in Israel. So thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of sacrifices which covered sin. And Jesus comes and offers one sacrifice that pays for sin forever. How many sins do you have on your record book? How many? How many? None right now. None right now. <laughs> what are you thinking about doing? <laughs> Let's get the big light right here. What are you thinking about doing? The truth is, how many do you have on your record book? None. Will you ever have any on your record book? No. Why? Because Jesus is taking them all. 
They're all placed on Christ. He bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. They're gone. They're far as the east as the west. You will never stand before God for your sins. Never. So sin's never going to be the issue. That's why when all these people tell people, you need to repent of your sins to give you life, yet they're so mixed up. They're asking people to do something they don't need to do. And first of all, you can't turn away from your sins. Anybody sin now, Paul? (laughs) So we all sin, right? So if turning away from sin is for salvation, none of us could be saved. Salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. He's the Savior. So anyway, we'll spend a little bit of time, uh, well, we'll spend a lot of time on that, but not this morning. And Hebrews 3.1 basically says we've got the apostle and high priest of our calling. Hebrews 8.1 and 2, let me me just read this to you because I love the way the author of Hebrews writes this. Listen to this right here. You don't have to turn there. This is Hebrews 8. He says this. Now, don't you wish all the writers would say it this way? Now, the main point of what we've been saying is this. We have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. He is a minister in the true sanctuary, the true tabernacle, which the Lord made, not man. He says, now, this is the main point. We think, well, thank you for getting to the main point. This is only chapter 8, and you're now telling us what the main point, and it is. So he is the great high priest, and he is the one seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and he is the only way of salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And what? And what? And no one, what? Comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved. The only name of Jesus Christ. That's why you can say God to everybody. God's great. Everybody goes, yeah, but you start talking about Jesus, you make a lot of people mad because they don't believe he's the only way. We know he's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, so with that in mind, and I'm looking at time, what does Jesus Christ do for us as our great high priest? Think about it. First of all, he makes intercession. Hebrews 7.25 says he lives forever to make intercession for us. Now, there's, there's two things I want you to think about about this, about intercession, okay? Interse- and we'll get more later, but intercession is that you can bring anything to him. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. We're not, we're not talking about sin here. We're talking about just any request you want to make. Can you talk to him about anything, anytime, anyplace, anywhere? You can, anything, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be sin. In fact, a lot of times it shouldn't even be sin. You just talk with him, and you can come to him and say, Lord, I need help here. What do do I do here? Lord, what what do you you want me to do? In fact, when you think about it, he says you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Philippians says, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Luke 18.1 says we ought to always pray and not faint, meaning not quit. Just keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on asking. He is our intercessor. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. He lives, I love that passage in Hebrews 7. He says he lives forever to make intercession. So you can come to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. So he's our, our high priest standing up there, and you can come. Now think about this. The second thing is he, he's the one that made the sacrifice. The sacrifice. And I look at sacrifice in two ways in this. I see his life and his death. His life, it was well-pleasing to the Father because his whole life was set apart as a sacrifice to God. In fact, if you read the Bible carefully, it talks about that he came and offered his life. And when he's talking about that, he's not necessarily talking about his death there. He's talking about his life and how he was a servant for the living God. So he, his sacrifice was his life, but his sacrifice was also his death. 
And that's dealing with the final sacrifice for sin forever. He lived that well-pleasing life, and then he died for us. Now, the great thing about it is he died and rose again. The thing that I love about Hebrews, Hebrews talks about these priests and they offer sacrifices, but they offer sacrifices for their own sins and for the sins of others. When Jesus comes, he doesn't offer sacrifice for his sin. He has no sin. He takes our sins upon himself. So, This morning, we've looked at what does a priest do and what does the great high priest do, Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about not only the intercession, but we're going to talk about the sacrifice of our great high priest. There's some things that uh, most of you, because you've been here for a long time, most of us, I mean, we've been together for nine years. Most of us have. We know a lot of these things when we talk about what Jesus did and how he offered the sacrifice and those kind of things. Uh, but we're going to get some details on what he did. Many people may not know, most of our people I think know, that Jesus actually went into heaven with his blood to a tabernacle in heaven. The one on earth that we always talk about was patterned after the one in heaven. And when Jesus died, he took his blood, not to the one on earth, because he couldn't serve on the one on earth, because you had to be the tribe of Levi to serve on the one on earth. He's from the tribe of Judah. He took it into the heavenly places. And we'll talk about that next week. Most people, I think most people in our room, in this room, in our church, have heard about that, have known that. But you may not. And and that's why you're going to say, you're telling me that there is a tabernacle in heaven that the one on earth was patterned after, and Jesus took his blood into the one in heaven? The answer is yes, and we're going to see that. So let me give you some, some applications before we break to go to a grow group and everything. First of all, let's see Jesus as our great high priest. I mean, let's see. That's who he is. He's the go-between. Uh, he is the go-between to the Father. That's why uh, you know, the questions are, when we get to heaven, who will we see? Will we see the Father or will we see the Son? Or will we see the Spirit? Spirit is a spirit being, and the Father is a spirit being. And it's, and let me just say it in a nice way. It's hard to see a spirit being. But what Jesus says, a body. Always has a body. Always will have a body. Always have the scars from his sacrifice so that we can always see him. And so he's the go-between uh, to the Father. And that's why he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Except through him. Isn't it amazing how people try to come to the Father by their good works, by their actions, by being baptized, by doing something crazy, by doing something, anything, and saying, if I do this, God will accept me. Guess what? God's never going to, you can, let me just say it in a nice way, you'll never please God. You can't please him. You know why? He's already pleased. Jesus is the final sacrifice forever. He is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means satisfactory payment. God is already satisfied in Jesus. We can't do anything to satisfy him because he's already satisfied. And that's why when people bring good works to God and say, look at my good works, he says, that doesn't satisfy me. I'm already satisfied. You don't need to bring those. Isn't it great that it's not our works or our sin that stops us? It's faith alone. 
and Christ alone. Wow, it's so beautiful. Okay, all right. And we should be pumped. I mean, we should be jumping up and down. In fact, we should be. We should be. Paul, you going to jump up and down? No, you're not. Okay. So we should see Jesus as our sacrifice and our intercessor. We'll see Jesus as our final sacrifice for sin. We also see Jesus as an intercessor. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus has already gone before you, and he is your advocate, and he is your intercessor.